This is Outside Shots, a college basketball betting podcast with Eli Hershkovich. Seven seconds to go. Three-pointer. Covering game-by-game odds and futures markets. It's Outside Shots, presented by the Lions. Another edition of Outside Shots presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich and going to get to our very special guest here in just a moment. But before we get started, remember to follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS and give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring that bell to get notifications whenever The Lines releases a new video on any sport. But without further ado, time to introduce to my right virtually Jay Billis, who played under Coach K at Duke from 1982 to 86 and is now one of the premier prominent college basketball analysts across college basketball in the country over at ESPN. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jay. Thank you for having me. Good to be with you. Of course. And let's start off breaking down the Sweet 16, obviously, tipping off Thursday night at the Garden with Michigan State taking on Kansas State, Spartans are a short favorite in that game. And looking at this thing tactically, schematically, how much of an edge do you give Tom Izzo and the Spartans against a transition-heavy Wildcats attack led by Marquise Noel? I'm not sure I do give them an edge. Uh, I I think Kansas State's very good. They've got perhaps the best one-two punch in that region with Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Uh, They're a a good team. And, uh, you know, they've had some turnover issues at times in games, but they did a really good job in the second round of taking care of the ball. And that's one of the reasons they advanced. Uh, Michigan State is not really a turnover forcing team. Uh, I think the glass is going to be a big issue. Uh, Michigan State has traditionally been one of the best rebounding teams in the country every year. Uh, This team is not as powerful of a rebounding team, but they're really a, a, a very good offensive team. You know, their their defense is solid. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I tend to favor Kansas state just a bit in the game because of, of Noel and, and Johnson over to the next game. UConn takes on Arkansas and the Huskies about a two possession favorite in that one, depending on where you're looking. It's been talked about early portion of the week, UConn's length, the Huskies with Adama Sanogo and Donovan Klingon, their freshman off the bench up against, uh, A lengthy Arkansas team, but still susceptible on the glass, especially with their offense at the other end, attacking the basket a ton against a rim protected or having two very elite bigs inside with Sonogo and and Klingon and obviously Andre Jackson as well. But how much of a factor, if at all, do you think the Hogs' pressured defense will be against a semi-turnover-prone UConn team? It'll be a big factor. Uh, Arkansas is really athletic. Uh, they are long and you give Eric Musselman a week to prepare. And I think they're that much better. Um, uh, I think Musselman and his staff do as good a job as any team I've seen in game preparation and scouting and, um, and, and scheming for, for the game. Um, look, I, I think UConn shoots the ball better. I think they're a more balanced team. Uh, they've been a final four favorite all year long. They, they, I think they dropped in most people's estimation 
when they went through that six game streak. But in early November, they, they were as good as anybody and looked like the best team. And then at the end of the season, now again, they look like as good as a team as good as anybody. Uh, so that's going to be a hard game, but they, they have the ability to make shots and they can score from every position. Um, Arkansas is really dynamic with Ricky Council, the fourth and Devo Davis. Um, and I would imagine that, uh, that Devo Davis is going to spend some time on Jordan Hawkins. He's really a big key for their, uh, UConn's ability to, to knock down perimeter shots, but, but UConn's very, very good. And, and I think they should be favored in that game. One of the maybe less discussed variables in that game, Nick Smith, Jr., a projected lottery pick, projected top five pick at this point in the 2023 draft. Hasn't done much over the first couple tournament games. We saw Musselman sit him, especially in the last two minutes against Illinois. Do you think it's an issue for him or more so mental? Well, he hasn't had any continuity in the season. He's been injured the whole year. So he's been in and out of the lineup. He was away from the team for about a month when he was out in Los Angeles training. Uh, I can't remember whether that was February or whatever it was, but um, it, it, it's really hard for any player when they're out uh, to have any sort of continuity throughout the season. And, and I think it makes it doubly difficult when you're a freshman with no no college experience. Um, I, it, you know, I don't know. He could uh, some of these guys and, and it may may even be Nick Smith Jr. where they could flip a switch and, and he's capable of going off in any given game. But it's it's hard to imagine you could be as consistent as you want to be without having consistent play throughout the season, consistent availability. And speaking of explosive scores, at least more so reliable with Gonzaga having the most efficient offense in the country, a little bit more susceptible defensively this year, especially around the rim without Chet Holmgren up against arguably the best defense in college basketball with UCLA, even without Jalen Clark. So which side of the ball do you give an edge to in that one in the West region? I think you give a little bit of an edge to Gonzaga because they score so easily and they can score from so many different positions. But, you know, UCLA has the ability to win games at different tempos. They, they can win an up-tempo game and they can slow the game down. You know, they had some, some slugfest games against Arizona where they were able to take a great transition team. And, and then the game against McHale, they kept that game in the 50s, which frankly shocked me. I did that game and I was shocked that, that who could imagine those two teams would score in the 50s. Uh, but that's what they're going to have to do with Gonzaga is, is keep them from getting easy baskets. But uh, the hardest uh, challenge, I think, for UCLA is going to be Drew Timmy. Um, it doesn't matter who they put on him. Uh, he's got the ability to go off for 25 or 30 and uh, and he's going to be a challenge. He's just so skilled and uh, and has such a great feel for the game that you put a damn bone on him. Bone is more athletic and can uh, can block shots and protect the rim. But, uh, you know, he can get put in the popcorn machine a little bit by uh, by Timmy. And Timmy's played against a lot of guys that are way more athletic and longer. And and he seems to to be able to adjust. So that, that's going to be the biggest matchup of the game to me. You mentioned that you called uh, the game earlier uh, for ESPN earlier in the season. And last time you were on this podcast, you brought up how you had always wanted to call a game at Arkansas. And you did that this year. Was there a game? Was it that game that stands out for you in terms of a broadcasting memory from this college basketball season? There were so many of them. It's hard to it's hard to pick out individual moments. But yeah, that was fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed Fayetteville and uh, Bud Walton arena was awesome. Uh, and I really, I really enjoy that team. Um, you know, they're a different team now than they were in Maui. Uh, 
in Maui when they had Trevin Brazil and, and everybody but Nick Smith was healthy, I thought they were Final Four good. They're not the same team without Brazil, and how could you be? But I think it's remarkable they've reached this point with a chance to go further. Um, you know, they've had some ups and downs throughout the year, but for a young team to uh, to show that kind of resilience is really pretty impressive. Yeah, heck of a comeback against Kansas in the second half. And obviously, Arkansas has its fair share of freshmen. One of the more prolific freshmen left in the tournament, Brandon Miller for Alabama, taking on San Diego State on Friday. So the groin issue obviously limited him over the first couple games for Bama in the tournament. How much of a factor do you expect it to be now in the Sweet 16 against a pressure-heavy Aztecs defense? No idea. Uh, how could you possibly know? Uh, <laughs> so we'll find out. I mean, you know, it's clear to play, and they don't put asterisks in the box scores for, you know, injured or don't feel well or all that. You know, so if he laces them up and plays, he's got to play. Uh, but I have no idea, you know, how it's progressing or all that stuff. And uh, they probably wouldn't tell us anyway. It's kind of like Marcus Sasser at Houston. You know, you know, he plays or he doesn't. Um, but Alabama's the best team. And uh, that doesn't mean they're going to win. But but they're the best team. And they're playing a team in San Diego State that's older. Uh, they, they've got some substantial bodies. And uh, I think uh, San Diego State defensively reminds me a lot of Tennessee those are two of the best defensive teams in the country and they're, they're ultra physical. So every catch is difficult. Uh, everything's going to require you to do it harder. You know, you're going to have to run through cuts because you're going to get bumped and, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a very physical brand of basketball and you're going to have to, you're going to have to meet that physicality or you're not going to win. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Final game on the Friday slate in Kansas City. Xavier taking on Texas. Musketeers the three seed in that region, the Midwest region, and Texas the two seed. Now, the Longhorns, I think we could both agree, have more athletes on their team, but Xavier can space the floor, and you also have a coaching edge in theory with Sean Miller and his tournament experience up against a first-year head coach in terms of coaching in the tournament for a high major program and Rodney Terry. So how much stock do you put into that coaching mismatch again, theoretically? Zero. Um, Rodney Terry has been a head coach at two different schools at UTEP and Fresno state. He's an experienced older guy and uh, he might even be older than Sean. Um, So I don't put any stock in that. The tournament games aren't any different um, as far as preparation and execution than non-tournament games. And, you know, Rodney's coached in big games, so I'm not concerned about that at all. Uh, I just think Texas is a little bit better defensively than uh, than Xavier is. And uh, Xavier's very – I think they're actually very athletic. Um, they're, they're just down a player. They're down Zach Fremantle, and uh, he's out for the season. It's amazing how many, how many teams are going through that this year. It's a bit unusual. 
but another sort of remarkable job to to get them to this point without one of their key guys that was their leading scorer at times. And, uh, and you know, they've got a, a super athletic point guard in Sule Boom, and I think Colby Jones is one of the more underrated two-way players in the country. Uh, you know, he had a double-double in the last game and, uh, you know, good passer, an excellent defender. And then Jack Nungy does a good job protecting the rim. Uh, you know, I think that they were better when there were two of them, uh, he and Fremantle. <laughs> But, um, you know, they're going to play against a team in, uh, in Texas that Texas has, um, you know, Dylan DeSue now is playing. He's back to looking like he did when he was at Vanderbilt before he got injured. And, uh, you know, he had a good year last year, but he didn't look like himself to me. And, uh, and especially over the last five or six games, uh, he's about as confident as a player can be right now. And, you know, he's a, he's a true offensive threat uh, as opposed to just scoring on drop-offs and offensive rebounds and running the floor. Now you can throw him the ball and he can go get you a bucket. Uh, so they're, they're impressive. And, you know, I felt like they had a great opportunity to make a Final Four, uh, in part because Marcus Sasser seemed compromised to start the start the tournament. But if Houston's healthy, they'll, they'll win the region. If they're 100%, they'll win. Last question here, Jay, and tournament aside, you went on the podcast earlier in the week and kind of going full, full circle to what I mentioned at the beginning, obviously playing for Coach K, and you touched on what he did for you to start up your broadcasting career. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that story with our audience. Uh, yeah, I, I was on Colin Cowherd's podcast. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Um, I uh, When I was in high school, uh, you get asked, what do you want to do after basketball? And um, I probably wasn't prepared for the question. Uh, so I said, <laughs> broadcasting, maybe broadcasting. Um, and it, it, back then, this is in the early eighties, um, 1980s when I was in high school in California and I, I had seen Don Drysdale on the air doing baseball games and Frank Gifford was doing Monday night football and, and, you know, you're kind of thinking, why not me? Okay. Uh, but I, I didn't have this burning desire to do, uh, anything at that time. I wasn't planning on being a lawyer or a doctor, or an astronaut or anything like that. And so when, um, when that happens and and it gets in the newspaper, uh, the you know coaches that are recruiting you read that they know it, and and so I got recruited on that basis. You know, you're taken to you visit a school, they take you to the communications department, they introduce you to all the professors and all that stuff. And Coach K uh, introduced me to a guy named Chuck Howard, who was a producer uh, at ABC Sports, and. Chuck gave me a job during the summer uh, when I was in college. I worked every summer for ABC Sports doing, you know, some really cool events. And I was, you know, I was just a runner, but I did a lot of really cool things, whether it's Monday Night Baseball, the Olympics. I did bowling events. I did all kinds of stuff. And uh, and I really enjoyed it. And but Coach K was like that. Um, you know, he you know, he coached you as a basketball player. You were there to play basketball, but he was interested in what you wanted to do and what you were interested in. And so he greased the skids for me to go to law school. Um, he hired me as a graduate assistant coach on his staff. Uh, there were all kinds of doors, and and I'm not the only one. He does he does it for everybody. You know, if it's something you want to do, he wants to help you do it. And uh, and he's always been that way. And he doesn't ask for any credit for it. Um, he he doesn't talk about it. Um, he's never brought it up. But uh, he, he's always he's always done a really good job, I think, of of being there to help. And uh, and he's very forward thinking and, and 
very thoughtful, not just in the sending a birthday card way, but thoughtful about, well, what's the best strategy here to get you where you need to be? And, um, and that, that's, that's always impressed me about him of the many things. That's going to do it here for us. And the best college basketball analyst to talk to and break down the sweet 16 with Jay Billis. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Billis. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jay really appreciate it. Thank you, Eli. My pleasure. That's going to do it again for outside shots. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll be back next week.